0: All right, if you guys have your Bible, you can turn to Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 through 21. So this is the last section of Revelation, mm-hmm. and I'm doing this with the computer because uh, my uh, power went out today, and so I couldn't print my sermon, so I have it on my computer. I'm thankful that my computer worked. But let us pray this prayer together, and then, and then we'll uh, read the scripture. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. Revelation twenty-two, eighteen uh, through 21 I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add him to the plagues described in the book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in the book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord. Jesus be with you all. Amen. And I have to do this because I don't want you guys reading along with me. I mean, you could. It would, it would be interesting. That, but when I was a child, I thought like a child. I acted like a child. I reasoned like a child, right? I, that's actually one of these scriptures uh, recently that's meant a lot to me. But when I was a child, I had two favorite verses in the Bible that was actually three verses, because that's just the way I roll. But uh, my first one was Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. So I would open up. I love Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning. In the beginning, God was there, right? And He hovered over the face of the deep. And then my second favorite verse was actually Revelation 22, 20 through 21, because, I, again, I counted them as one verse. And the reason for this is because I wanted to signify that the whole Bible was my favorite. That was the way I rolled. That was the way I worked in my, in my heart and in my life at the time. And, um, and it's, it's interesting because as a kid, I, I used to have both underlined. And when somebody would ask me my verses, I'd say, well, it's Genesis 1 and Revelation 22, because it was the beginning and the end, and it was all kind of right there. And I actually loved the Bible for much of my life. I love it still today. I used to think it was this happy story that started in the beginning and then ended with Jesus coming back. And, you know, you just, you just kind of ate candy. And I was a kid, right? You ate candy and you played soccer and, until Jesus would come back. But now that I'm older, I realize that it's not just about the happy parts, but it's about all of life. And I still love the scripture for all of life. I still love the Bible and I still love reading it. I still love coming to it. And I haven't um, claimed this verse as my favorite uh, for a long time now, but I, I am looking forward to Jesus coming back. And may it be soon. Amen. I've heard and read uh, that verse 18 and 19 used to say that we are not to add to any of the books of the Bible. So the, the Bibles, that it was sealed up, 66 books that are there, that Genesis to Revelation are sealed and complete. Um, and it was interesting, actually, in my studies this week, because I, I'd heard that so many times, like, don't add or take away from this book, that that's what it was talking about was this book. However, every not every one of my commentaries, but most of my commentaries said that this is not what it can mean, because this is not... How the Bible was put together. This is not how we got this collection of 66 books. In fact, uh, if you would look at Augustine, who was in like 320 ish, uh, he had more books of the Bible than we do, actually, in the way that he looked at the scriptures and the way that he read the scriptures. So that's not what I think that this. Prophecy can mean, and in fact, most commentaries. When I looked up what this does mean, and I'm kind of going in there to find out what does it mean, they said this is not what it means, and then they skipped on to the next verses. And I was like, well, what does it mean? What can it bring to us today? And this verse um, isn't talking about the scriptures that we have, although in part it is. But that's because the Bible, as we know it, had not yet been put together the way that we have it now. It would be another 250-ish years. After Revelation was written, before we'd have the Bible in the form that we have it now, before it was collected, tested, time kind of 300 plus years of testing in the church where they'd go through it, and um, we're not going to get into the history of the Bible today. However, I would encourage you because it's an important and interesting development in history and how the scriptures that we have came to take shape. And so it's an, it's very interesting, and I actually love the history, but... But, what does it mean uh, what what does it mean that we can't add or take away from this book from this book like from revelation and I've been pondering this for some time, and the the consequences for adding up or taking away from it are pretty severe, right? The plagues that are mentioned in this book are what what are to count upon us if we uh take uh, or if we add to it and or if we take away from it and the and we are also like not going to be given the tree of life and or the city of god and so those things being taken away from us and then plagues being added to us are never a good thing they certainly aren't a good thing in revelation the entire way through the plagues and being taken away from the tree of life and the city of god are bad things so if we read if we hear And if we do the words of this book, then we don't want to add or take away from it. Amen? Like, we don't want to do this. I think that adding and taking away from what God wants us to do and wants us to know is a hard thing. Maybe this is a warning for preachers. Like, hey, be careful when you preach. And I'm certainly going to take it this way. Like, it's like, be careful, uh, like, when when you're in the pulpit preaching the word of God. Maybe this is a warning to storytellers that just like to make stuff up. Maybe this is a word to the doubters and the naysayers who are like, wouldn't believe it. Maybe it's even a warning to those who want to say, yeah, it's the scriptures plus good works, plus this, plus that, plus anything else that they want to add. To put too much into Revelation, the stuff that's not there, isn't uh, helpful to the followers of Jesus. It can lead them astray and it can lead them from the purpose and intent that God has for them in and through this, this section of scripture. And it can lead them away into what Paul would call silly myths or like when, when people would argue about silly myths and, and genealogies and stuff like that, it would take away from God's love that he wants to give to us and his grace that he wants to give to us and lead us into fear, which by the way, we all know is a very powerful motivator. And this book was written in such a style that it would be really easy to add all sorts of stuff, all sorts of imagery, all sorts of um, just fascinating things are in this scripture. And many have done this. And I would say some have probably done it errantly in the way that this is talking about. They've just come in and they've just added whatever they think to it. But some some have also maybe not added, but expounded and done this in a helpful way for us to be able to understand what is being said here. And so for some, it wasn't adding. It was actually helping the body of Christ understand. To take away from, uh, from this book of Revelation, it doesn't take too much, right? To, I mean, if you think about it, what if we don't take it seriously? What if we take those horrific scenes and we're like, yeah, but God is love. That's my tendency. I'm, I'm more tendency to like take it away and just be like, yeah, God's loving. To not try to uh, heed what we need to from this book. I believe Revelation, uh, now that we're kind of at the end of it, it's pretty difficult to understand, right? There, we are over 2,000 years removed from it. We're in a different country. Our leadership structure is different. Uh, uh, the way that we see the world is very different uh, than the way that the first audience would have taken this. But not to take it seriously seriously. Not to take seriously in the matter of God speaking to us would be problematic. God has, uh, is speaking to us through revelation, and we get to take it seriously. We don't want to have revelation have no meaning for us in the here and now, either as a preacher or personally as we just walk away as Christians learning what God would have for us. Early in the book, it said, hearers, readers, and keepers of this book are to be blessed. But, and not cursed. Jesus, this is what Jesus wants for us, right? He wants for us to to live a blessed life. And if we read this book, hear it and desire to keep the words of this book, we know that a blessed life is lived with one where God is at the center. God's throne is at the center of all things with Jesus, the lion and the lamb, the 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 lamb that was slain for us, but we also know that to if we've read the whole book now, As we follow, if we follow after what is false, that is not a good idea. It is a curse to follow idols and false ideas. It is not a blessing. Those who follow Jesus will know his voice when he calls. Amen. They will know. And I believe this to be true. When we hear Jesus, what do we need to do? We need to follow him with everything that we have. We don't add more to his love and we don't subtract his justice either. We can allow Jesus to simply be Jesus, Lord and King and center of our life. Allow God to rule and reign and not add to his rule or undermine it either. I'd like to have a share in the tree of life. Amen? I'm sure you guys would too. And I'd also love to avoid plagues. Um, And so uh, I I think about this is this word in a certain extent is a word to preachers. I'm going to do my best to heed this. It's actually very convicting for me personally, because I do love the idea of grace far more than I love the idea of justice. However, they're both there and it's not my job to add or subtract from scripture or, um, or uh, the person and work of who God is and what he's done for us and continues to do. But as for its hearers, this word, we get to heed it as well. We don't have to explain away the things that God has done in our life. How many times have we, like when God we know God did something and we're around our church people, we say, Yeah, God did this. And we all say one, two, three, praise God. But then when we're around our friends, we go, hey, look what I did. Or look what look what happened. We don't need to make sense of everything or have everyone believe and understand what God has and is doing in our lives, but we can't deny his work in our lives. We don't have to, um, we don't have to attribute the things that happen in our lives to luck or wealth or education, but we attribute them to the grace that God has given. And we don't have to take credit for the work of God in our lives either. This would be to take away from it. Jesus is our everything. So we do our best to live for him and give God all the credit and glory that he deserves. And what he deserves is all the credit and all the glory. I think about it like this. We can take medicine, but what is the healing from? It's from God. Like, right, we can lock our doors on our homes, but where does the protection come from? It comes from God. We can go to work and earn our money, But who is it that provides? It's God. We can educate ourselves, but it is God who illuminates the meaning of life and illuminates himself in our heart. And we get to be careful to live for him in our lives. To walk this out, this life that he has given us, and give him for the credit for his great gifts that are in our lives. This is what we get to do. Not to add or take away, but just... Let it be what God is doing in and through our lives because he is truly our all in all. And if you have a red letter Bible, this was the first one that I had when I was a kid. It was a red letter Bible. Maybe that's why this is one of my favorite verses, because these are the last words written in red where Jesus said, surely I am coming soon. And then we all say as the church, we just agree with the, the Apostle John, and we say, "Come, Lord Jesus, come and I love this for so many reasons. One reason that I love this is the conversational tone of this, the back and forth, the give and take the the it is it is a call and response that God initiates this, God speaks, and we respond in agreement with what God has to say. The conversation with God is initiated by him, and we get to continue talking to him because he has so much to say about our lives. He has so much to say in the here and now, and he has so much to say about our past, and he has so much to say about our future, so we get to continue talking to him because he has so much to say about our lives. And I I find it interesting because Mo and I never talk on the phone. We just don't. I mean, like, right, hey, are you coming home from the store yet? The kids are freaking out or something like that. But when she was in Texas, you know what we did? We spent... longer than we have in a long time we spent time talking on the phone we we spent time talking back and forth and so even in this as we're in this call and response with God let us not become mundane to the everydayness of life let these conversations continue and flow and if we are listening if we are listening and if we pos- position ourselves to be attentive, we will never run out of topics of conversation with God because he's always initiating in his life. He's always doing something. He's always at work in it. And I love this because this reminds us to, to listen to the words the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And let us hear and respond in kind with our ears attentive to this heavenly conversation and then play our part and continue the conversation going forward. But I also love this section of scripture when Jesus says, Surely I am coming soon, because he uses the word soon. He uses the word soon. And over the last few years, particularly over the last year, I've wondered what the word soon means i have really just kind of like, what is soon, Lord? What, what is soon? You say soon. And I know that the word is a word that prepares us and expects something out of us. It expects something out of us. You know that soon could happen at any moment. Soon could happen at any moment. May it be before we even leave church today. Soon, I love the word soon because it is not the most exact word. It's not like... January 23rd, 2022 at 1.05 p.m. I'm coming back. I'll see you then. Get ready. He's not, he's not saying that. It's not that precise. It's not even close to that precise. And if it were, we wouldn't... I doubt that we would live every moment in dependence on God as we are supposed to. And we're supposed to live every moment of every day for God. And... um and so that we, as we use the time that he's given us, we, we live and we walk in this soonness, this mystery of when is soon. Hopefully it's a little bit later today. Hopefully it's right now. I mean, uh, maybe, and if it's not later today, maybe it's tomorrow. And so we live in this idea of it's coming soon. But we just don't know when soon is. God wants us to walk with him. So the word soon is used. This word is, it, it is an absolutely expectant word. It's a pregnant word. It is a word that suggests that it could happen at any moment. And if not, it could, and we are to be ready if it does. More than ready, not just being ready, we are to hope that it comes at any moment. That soon would be today. This word is full of hope and anticipation. And may we wait for soon with hope and anticipation. God doesn't want us to know the date and the time because he wants a relationship with us, right? The Holy Spirit is leading us on this up and down, all around journey of faith. And in that journey, we get to trust him for every step that we take. To take and put a date to this like, To put specifics would take away from the mystery of the word soon and it would not serve us well in this life to know everything that God knows. And amen is a word for yes, I agree. That's what it means. Yes, I agree. The yes, amen, the amen, yes. This is not just a verbal assent with our mouths, but it is a way of saying yes, I want this for my life. Yes, I want God. I want what you have for my life. This is what we are saying when we say amen. We are saying, come Lord Jesus. Yes, we agree. Yes, please. Please, Jesus, come at any moment. Anything that you have for us is better than our plans. So let us follow you. Let us walk with you. Let us speak with you and live with you. And let our lives be our amen. In order for this to happen, we have hope. And Jesus is our hope. Jesus has shown us in the past. He's shown us the future. He is in the beginning. He will be at the end. And he is coming back soon. So this is my prayer for us, grace and mercy. Let us live like we trust him. Let us live like we trust him. Like it's a sure thing that he's coming back. It's something that we can rely on. And if we can rely on any of it, If we can rely on Jesus dying for our sins on the cross and raising from the dead, then we can depend on him coming back again to come and get us and live in this wonderful city that he's promised us. Revelation shows us that the waiting won't always be easy, but Jesus is a sure thing. And we can put our hope and our trust in that because he was there at the beginning and he'll be there at the end. Not only that, he's with us the entire way through. So let our lives ring out our amen of our agreement. Let us place our hope in the beauty of these words and the surety that God gives us. In closing out Revelation, John adds this benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. This is the same thing Jesus wants for us. He came so that His grace might be there for us, right? He died so that His grace would be sufficient for us. And in not adding anything to this scripture, we don't add anything to grace. It's 100% unearned. It's 100% undeserved. Once we come to Him, it changes us. We act differently, but we don't act differently to get more from God because He's already given us His everything. And, and so his grace, we want it to be with us. We want, it, we want Jesus to dwell with us and be in our life and shape and lead us. And I pray that we may let him. This is what Revelation is speaking about. That we let Jesus desire for us to live with him forever and ever, including right now. And I pray that we may let him do this in our lives. So Jesus, may you come and may you come soon. May we not add anything or take anything away from what you're doing, but may we walk with you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name. And Lord, will you please come back? In Jesus' name. Amen.